do it is a um a top five surf punk list and That's i know dope. we didn't really talk like what that means but right i was like i'll list i'll make a five list you know and you'll make a five list that could mean it's a person who surfs who's a punk or a punk who surfs who knows um and we'll just sort of list them off and we'll just kind of go with five and go to one and maybe we'll have the same guy here or there so uh i'll let you go first but you're number five if you want or if you, you want know when, when you first brought this up all i thought about was bands and then you threw the idea that an individual could actually be you know a, a surf punk um in a good way right so i started thinking about that and for me the guy who was doing it his way which which i think is punk rock right doing it your way when i first this got is your involved, number five guy this, this is, is my number five guy with the surfing and and all that and really watching him is what introduced me to punk rock i'm gonna go with aki good one I mean, just he's still to this day is just damn fucking hockey. I do what I want. Does his own thing. Fucking came back, won the world tour, didn't he? When he was like forty something. I don't know if he was forty, but I think he was in his thirties, which was unheard of until Kelly, of course. But yeah, for sure. Kelly's just a freak of nature. I remember him being a little bit um, different than other folks. There was always like this, like prototypical California Australian surfer, like surf jock. Um, that was kind of prevalent in that like early eighties and maybe even into the nineties a little bit. Um, but there were a couple guys starting to break out of that. And I think you'll see there's a couple dudes from my list as well that are kind of that time frame. Um, my number five, I went with a shaper. Um, he's the only shaper I got on my list. Um, and you know, him, uh, Matt Biolas. And the reason I go with Matt Biolas is. Well, you can't argue that he's not, like, if not the top fucking shaper in the world now, and he's basically this punk rock kid from California that teamed up with this punk rock guy that we actually went to college with. Um, we can talk about that for a second, but um, I never really knew Matt on a friendship level, uh, like my roommate Tom Bra did. Um, I did spend some time with him at surf uh, alumni surf contests. Uh, we had a quite an interesting day one time on our way back from a surf alumni contest. Um, but uh, I just think this guy fucking did it his way. He he never, you know, th there was like this clean cut version of the surf culture that was kind of, you know, that, that was sort of like the mainstream at the time. And they kind of did it their own way. They kind of were like the the partiers and the punk rockers and the they were like that click in high school of kids that were all different, got, but got lumped together. And I just felt like that's who the surfers were that were riding those boards and representing that brand. And, you know, I ride almost all lost boards now. I'm like, I have a couple other shapers that I do locally and whatever, but um, I think the guy's a fucking legend and he wasn't even like a ripper. He's just like a regular surfer. Um, and he's now considered elite. Like he's got a, a gold medal surfer i mean he and he shaped for a lot of punk rock surfers that aren't on my list like Corey Lopez that are out there surfing yeah chris ward like guys that are just fucking ripping right now and didn't give a fuck about world tours and shit like that um and actually Corey lopez made kids that are now rippers too so i'm so glad right. to see that going on but 
I feel like Matt Bowles had a big, you know, say in some of that, those launching some of those careers and his whole punk rock nature. He still doesn't give a fuck, man. You can follow him on Instagram. If there's something he doesn't like, he doesn't hold back. And I just like that he made a family, he made a business, and he got to the top, and he didn't have to go the corporate kiss-ass way. So yeah, I don't remember how that whole thing came out. I didn't know Matt Violas at all. No? But uh, I knew Mike Viola. Well, because you were sort of the older crew. You were like with the Lurch and all those fucking guys. And right. Remember Lurch. Yeah. Me and dude. Tom, we kind of took over the, the surf club after you guys weren't presidents and shit anymore. And that's kind of when that era happened. Um, yeah. So. But no, okay. That's a good one. That's my number five. He, I think he was just an artist kid drawing some cool art. And he had a place in San Clemente. And Mike Riola, super fucking smart marketing degree type, um, was like sleeping on his couch or something and hanging out there in the summers. And that's how they sort of met. And they, they dreamt up the clothing company. And I guess Matt was learning how to shave in Herbie Fletcher's fucking shop. So like the guy's got credibility too. So um, that's why he was my five. Cool. All right, you're up four. Jim. Oh, Pennywise. Pennywise. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, they, like for me, you know, I, I know I mentioned, and, and I love the fact that some of the, like the fuck authority is kind of campy because I think it tracks and gets more people to actually listen to what they're, you know, what they're saying. Um, and it is, it's a great song, great band. I love the band, but you know, for me, he, um, He's really big on the whole Cali thing. And they always wrote great music to listen to before, after, during, if you could, surfing, skating, whatever it might be, you know? Yeah, I mean, he fucking, he's just a surfer who became the front guy of a punk rock band. And uh, yeah. yeah, he's like a regular surfer guy too. He's not like your, your big time ripper guy, pretentious guy, he's a... You know, some of their songs, so he's not a fucking writer like Greg Graffin, like who is? I think they were compared a lot to Bad Religion because of their sound, you know? Well, and then in the label and everything else, you know. But their songs kicked ass. The Unknown Road album fucking goes off. I love that right. album. Great. And like you could just see them all the time. Pennywise went on tour like fucking nonstop. I think I saw him like 20 times before I was even 30 years old. Yeah, ago. that was, uh, shit, my wife and I, that was like our first date was a Pennywise show. Really? Yeah. Badass. Yeah. Badass. I did I, yeah. I just was recently watching the drive through series and um Donovan Frankenrider and Benji Weatherly took all these young guys, young young surfers, to the Metallica Pennywise show. And they were singing the bro hymn in the microphone at the show. And uh it was pretty cool. So I definitely have fond memories of that shit. So good now that's a well written song. That's a pretty deep song. There's nothing campy about that. For sure. Good pick. My number four, I, I'm sure he's on your list, so I'm going to steal him before you, is Mike Palm. You probably have him as number one. <laughs> um, but I just think Agent Orange is a fucking badass entry band for so many of us in our 40s yeah. and 50s um, that came from the surf scene. Like, that's what you heard the older kids listening to. That's what I was jamming to, you know, in my little boombox fucking cassette tape 
Um, and the guy has persevered. You know, there's been a whole bunch of those kinds of bands, but like this guy still goes on tour. He kept yeah. Agent Orange relevant, dude, all of these years. So that's why he's there. Uh, and what's crazy is I've seen him play in front of a few thousand people, and I've seen him play in front of like 30 people. Yeah, he doesn't care. And I'm like, yeah, and it's the same emotion up there, right? Somehow, you know, Chuck Taylor on, it looks like he's standing on his ankle somehow, just playing away. But, yeah, that would have been my number one, but the band as a whole. Right. Like Agent Orange, you know. It's changed so much. I know he's the guy, but the the band as a whole as a as a person right we uh I'm sure they're incorporated in uh I think they're we allow, we allow corporations to be people here in America so. I think they're mostly deceased man I think the original yeah I want to say the bassist that Soto guy I can't remember his first name and um, I don't know I'm I'm they not. had like thirty guys in their band over the years so over the time right. sure sure cool all right who's your your three all right well. I'm going to take the band as a, as a collective before they did a glam metal album. TSOL. Yeah. You know what? I'm kind of surprised that I overlooked those guys. They're in that same category though, with agent orange for me, like, same kind yeah, of man, skate punky kind of, you know, I, I still, I still listen to, uh, at least every other day and and that says a lot because i'm i'm really i don't know like kind of over the top trying to learn about jazz at the moment uh, there's a lot of that in some of the music though like well without it come on these are guys that uh had to fight a fight a lot to play music you know did weren't bands like TSOL and, and- Agent Orange, like, background music for surfing on ESPN, like, in the 80s, I feel like. Well, so, you know, like like I said when I was talking about watching an Aki video. And it was a Billabong video. Mark Akalupo. One segment was Agent Orange. And I remember it just popped up in the corner, Agent Orange. And I'm like, what is that? And then the next, like, set of him surfing was TSOL. And I'm like, ooh, what's this? And, uh, yeah, so the, those were probably the first two bands when I started to, uh, I don't know, expand music. I grew up playing soccer and all the sports and all that before I got into surfing. So you can imagine that I was really surrounded by, you know, the – the generation before me of bros and what they were listening to. And then all the future bros that I was playing sports with, you know, it's and funny then, that uh, you say that you were watching a surf movie and you saw it because like that happened a lot. Like I thought about putting Taylor Steele on my list. The guy made all those momentum series videos because like, you know, when you think back to the nineties, who was basically launching sublime and, freaking Pennywise and like all those bands that were like our soundtrack for surfing back then were right. surf movies. Like, you know, Sublime was in the lost surf movie and, you know, uh, 
Pennywise was in all the momentum movies. And like, I sort of right. feel like right. California kids saw that and they started requesting on radio and, you know, well, yeah, you know, it, it probably caught on. And, and I want to say that surfings and the surf videos, I'm glad you brought it up had a freaking role in some of these punk rock bands becoming mainstream or getting some mainstream. Right. Or, or even, uh, you know, I mean, you could see, I'm trying to think the name of the band that I saw in a surf video once doing a, a cover. Let's go smoke a uh, dash rip rock. They did a, a whole, you know, let's go smoke some pot thing. Right, right. And it was great on a surf video. Yeah, so I I can relate to a lot of bands I discovered on surf videos. Yeah, I think punk rock and surf videos are sort of married together, man. Well, they were they were both, especially in the eighties, nineties, still like counterculture. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, we all got that fucking VHS tape, and we were hoarded around it, and you know, in the afternoon at whoever's house. Sure. You know, watching that shit like sure. Jack McCoy came out or whatever it was. I'm trying to like think of some of the right. videos that I like. My favorite was Munga Militia, dude. Munga Berry was my fucking favorite surfer, that Nev guy. But um, he, I, maybe I should have put him on here, too, because he was fucking big time. Yeah, there's just so many. Um, my number three is Martin Potter. He's the first surfer that I put on there. And I just, man, that fucking guy hit the scene in the 80s. I just remember as a kid, that's sort of like when I was kind of blooming as a teenager surfer. You know, I've been surfing for a little bit. and And that guy just was so radical like he just was so fucking different and his boards were cool and like i just fucking you know and when you look at his past like where he came from you know he sort of you know moved out to california and hawaii when he was like 15 and 16 and he was on the pro tour when he was 16 bro um and then it was him that inspired you know uh, guys that i have higher on my list basically um and I just sort of feel like he's right. sort of like that godfather of the punk surfer from the 80s, you know, era. Remember, in his iconic board, man. Yeah, that green and red stripe one kind of. Crazy cutout thing. Oh, yeah, I remember it. And he was the guy who was, you know. And he won the world title, dude. He fucking punk rocker. Finally won a world title. title, yeah. So I but feel like. Was pushing too he was he was pushing the you know the air thing early on right but, and when you hear my number two that's what i'm leading into so you yeah, tell me I, your I, number two. I could i know who that is i could take it from you right now. <laughs> go for it um yeah so you're on two i'm on two i know and You'll probably criticize this one, but at the time, this was a guy who you really thought should have been in the forefront of mainstream surfing and all that, and was like part of the mainstream, but always tried to skirt it and stay away from it. I'm going to go Matt Archibald. Yeah. I hunt, dude. So, like, I couldn't decide whether. Matt Archbold or Christian Fletcher. Cause like they're they're like two years apart. They're friends. Like they kinda they didn't have the same background, but like their professional career was sort of similar where like they were fucking like high level, like as good, every bit as good as like a Kelly Slater type of phenom surfing, you know, at a young age. And 
you know, just the whole bucking of the system and queuing it. Their the own whole, way. right, right. The whole, yeah, I don't want to do it by the rules or, you know, like he could have went out and, and competed and did the, you know, the same thing we were all doing at the time. It was three waves. It wasn't two waves. And, you know, you didn't just, you didn't go full on because you had to put up three scores, you know? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he'd go out and he'd go full on all the time. And yeah. he didn't have these great competitive results because he didn't want to be a competitor. I don't think he just wanted to be whatever it was he chose to be. Right. Like he didn't flinch. Like, I feel like those guys hit the scene. It was like that, you know, what was that Billabong movie? It was like a Billabong movie that was real big. It had those guys doing airs in it. Him and Fletcher. Yeah, I can't. So many um, movies and so much fog in my brain. I just remember like they went really fast. They were busting airs. They were right. Their turns were really aggressive. It was like opposite of like what the surf jocks were doing, basically. Um, and you, you know, you hear the stories that I think they were on the USA team with like Pete Townsend and those guys were like the coach and they couldn't like follow the rules and. I don't know, like, yeah. as a young fucking kid, a teenager, I just thought that shit was cool. And, you know, as they got older and we're in our 20s, they're just completely shaping the way modern surfing was going to be done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, again, uh, image and stylistically and just their whole approach to life um, is punk rock to me. Both. Yeah. I know Christian's dad's Herbie Fletcher, but, like, uh, let's be honest. The guy could have taken that and been, like, a golden boy, been, like, a fucking... Mm-hmm. and he didn't and um they're almost indistinguishable to me when i was a kid like i just knew those guys were were a different kind of breed and they roughed like you said they roughed the system because like judges were like what the fuck i'm not judging that that's not a maneuver or you know that had a well yeah yeah there was a lot of that and now it's it's all about what some of these guys had started doing you know like i watch the contest now and it's you know, I see this great wave, and, and I remember the day a, a guy like Potter would, you know, or, or Curran or, or Kelly would just do these five big, huge maneuvers. And you'd be like, wow, they really used every single piece of that wave. Now it's go as fast as you can, do the big Air 360, which is incredible. Don't get right. me wrong. I know, I know. I but got it, this it just becomes a little more... I don't know, watching, that's why I watch the women more. Men's surfing is almost kind of, you know what they're going to do every wave. It's almost kind of boring. Not, if there's barrels and John John's out there, that's fun to watch. Kelly. Well, John John, John John does it all. I feel like he surfs on his rail and he's got a lot of traditional. Well, all those guys do it all. The Brazilians do it all too, but they just do that aerial stuff a little better. And that's kind of, in a contest, all you get to see. I don't know, know what I mean. So I was watching the Olympics, man, and that's, you know, it was crappy waves. And, right. You know, I'm watching the Brazilians dominated, and I'm in your camp, man. I know that aerials are hard as fuck, like, just landing them and, you know, the technical, you know, issues of, you know, how they grab it or turn or rotate, all that stuff is super difficult. And then to ride it out, like, so, like. Dudes didn't do it in the 80s and 90s because we didn't think it was fucking possible, right? So Right, yeah. You know, uh, right. I definitely respect it. But on the other hand, like, it's super boring to just watch some guy 
get a bunch of speed and find the launch ramp. And so you're in these shitty waves for the Olympics. And that's what the, you know, some guys are doing and they're getting lots of points. And then I'm watching other guys that somehow that there was like a, a French surfer who's really from like a, uh, some islands in the South Pacific, uh, Michael Borelli. I'm watching this fucking guy surf and he's killing it in his heat. He's milking the waves, getting three and four. And I'm, you know, as a judge at NSSA, so I'm counting your maneuvers like in my head as you're doing them. One, two, three. And then I'm thinking about how aggressive you were with the maneuver. Because the more aggressive you are, the more critical and more risk there is. Sure. And that's what Martin Potter and like fucking Archbold and all those guys were doing is they were showing like, I'll fucking take that risk and I'll land right back in the pocket and I'll connect it to other shit. Um, so these new guys aren't doing that. They've now pushed the level of aerial so fucking high that. And it's incredible. It is. But I don't know, man. But it's boring to watch. It's boring. I don't like it as much. I prefer, yeah. but when waves are small, dude, like that's what's going to happen. If anything yeah. under like yeah. double overhead and pitting, these guys are going to be treating it like launch ramps. But sure, it's an interesting yeah. question in WSL, man. Like they've been changing up a lot of the stuff that they do, and we can talk about that in, in other episodes. But well, the criteria is right. It is probably the hardest thing to do. I most certainly could never do that. You know? I don't know. I, when anything becomes status quo, it's sort of not cool anymore. It's not fun to watch. And I think that's sort of what's happening. Um, I wouldn't call us purists. I just think like this is a stylistic thing that, you know. I agree. Um, I agree. But uh, all right. So I had Matt Archibald and, and um, Christian Fletcher in a tie because I couldn't fucking decide. I felt like they both were sort of like the same kind of influence on me. Um, so what are you saying? That's your two and your one? No, I had them tied for second. So I do have a number one. So if you want to do your number one. So my number one is going to be a duo. Okay. And because they named it, they named themselves as such. They went against, their parents probably had a heart attack with the kind of music they were putting out. And you know all they did was play around with instruments their parents tossed off and went surfing all day. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, Dennis Dragon and Drew Steele from the Surf Punks. I actually had them as my honorable mention. <laughs> and I, I mean, I did just their up. whole, at the time when I was a kid. Wasn't there, weren't they in Captain and Tennille? Their parents, yeah. They're, like one of their parents was like, so and then, uh, and some what was that song that they too. had? Was it maybe the mothers and the papas too, or something? No, there was a big, they had all kinds of songs. There was a big captain and Tennille song that like, when you listen to it and you hear oh, that yeah. the surf punks, that that was their parents, you can fucking hear where the surf punks came from, from this song, dude. Well, maybe that one, uh, love maybe. will keep us together. Yeah, right. That song, isn't that fucking <laughs> captain and Tennille? Yeah. I think it is, man. But, uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, dude, you know, those guys. right on, right on. You know, their songs were funny, but, like, they also sort of, they were making a parody of, like, some shit that we took real serious, like, localism and, like. Oh, yeah. Things that were real serious problems and on search. They mixed up their sound and made fun of music and made fun of themselves and and went against, you know, they, they were, I, I don't know anything about them except I have the albums. And uh, 
if you didn't know every word to every, somebody ripped my stick, like, oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. were in the seventh grade, like, you weren't fucking yeah. cool, right? <laughs> that was like 10th grade for me, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, you were older than me, though. That's right, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's a good pick, dude. I had him on honorable mention just because my number one, I feel like, is my number, he's sort of like an idol to me or whatever, especially being an East Coast kid. Um, so I went with Sid Abruzzi. Um, he's actually a surfer. He's the original water brother, surf shop guy. Um, but he's just, he is a punk. He is a punk rocker. Like his whole entire story, his whole entire life is a punk rock story. Um, he's like the most unlikely like surf hero. Um, but this guy's like a Newport Beach, uh, Rhode Island legend. Um, you know, when I was a kid, you just heard stories about Sid. He was a little, he was a little bit crazy. He had long hair. He surfed a lot of pro contests. He was super unconventional. He, you know, he would yell at you type shit when you would read about stuff about Ruggles Surf Break, which is his local break. Um, but the guy basically put the surf scene in Rhode Island on the map. Um, I sort of feel like he had an integral part in the skateboard season two. He's one of the first dudes um, selling polyurethane wheels so like his story was like in the east coast man like we talked about it you can't fucking make a living being a surfer so early on he got in the retail game he was like i'm gonna sell shit so he moved his water brother surf shop around a whole bunch um and he just sort of invented some of the things that surf culturally we do and kind of didn't get credit for it and then didn't really fucking bitch about it he doesn't run around beating his fucking chest that he didn't get credit for this or that. But like, it's like little things you find out nuggets about this fucking guy. Like right. weeks ago, I was reading like, you know, Tony Hawk has a skate park that Sid Abruzzi designed in his original fucking uh, Tony Hawk number one series or whatever video game. And you just find out cool shit like that. Um, this guy's been around forever, local legend. So. He's like almost 80 now, I gotta think. He was like in his 70s, like the last time I read an article about him. And there may be a documentary soon. I was kind of trolling around on fucking YouTube, seeing what I could find, and that's all I could really find. But when I first moved to New England, um, I didn't know where to surf. And like everywhere where I lived near Boston originally, and now I live on the beach, but you had to drive like an hour pretty much to get to the closest spots, man. And I would say sure. I had like three or four options, whether waves are coming from the north or the east or the south. And Rhode Island was just really good for south and southeast. And like in the winter, it was like slightly warmer. And um, there's some real good breaks there. And there's ones that are super accessible that you can fucking see the reports on Surfline and shit. And you know where they are. You know, then there's Ruggles. You know, that's the break that he made popular. It's in the magazines and shit. It's like, in a neighborhood where you got to live there and park and you know it's fairly difficult to surf there if you're not from there um so i was trolling around the neighborhood trying to figure out uh, how to surf there um and end up being able to paddle out and dudes weren't assholes or anything and caught a couple waves um i even paddled out on a nine two fucking longboard because it's sort of like a kind of a medium-sized day and real glassy and shit i wanted to make sure i didn't fuck up you know and catch waves because i knew i was surfing like a real spot um, so afterward, I wanted to, to, uh, see about getting a new board and I knew I was in Newport where there were surf shops. So I'm fucking driving around and I know that the water brother surf shop's hard to find cause the guy's moving it around a lot. And I swear, man, I'm like driving on a road and I fucking see it and I pull over and I go in and there's fucking Sid. He's like this sitting in there. 
looks kind of dark. It doesn't even fucking look like a surf shop. It looks like someone's bedroom. Like there's just kind of cool stuff everywhere. Like fucking record albums <laughs> are laying out. He's jamming punk rock music, right? It was it was more like rock, punk rock. You know, it wasn't necessarily like something like we talked about on here, but um couple of boards here and there and i went in there and it was like i was bothering him it was fucking cool as shit <laughs> i was like texting people like i'm in fucking sit surf shop man like this fuck this is cool as fuck so uh i don't know he he showed me a board or two and we talked for a minute and uh, i tried not to be starstruck but um I, if you look this guy up especially listeners if you're some young surfer um, or you're just from the new england area this guy's a top fucking dude from new england and as far as Newport is concerned, like he made surfing legal in Newport. He was on the get arrested in the 70s, surf this fucking place. So the guy's gone to jail a couple times for that, or one time for surfing. Um, he's been, I can't say a couple times. I just told him for sure. Um, he's been in a punk band. He's run skate parks. He's run surf shops. Um, I think he's sort of like a legend amongst you know, people that we really respect in the surf community and in the punk rock community. So that's sort of why I went to Sid. Cool. So, yeah, and- I dig it. And I'll be the first to admit, I have to go look him up. <laughs> well, you know, he is kind of an yeah. East Coast guy. And, um, yeah, you know, to me, just I wanted to kind of pay a little bit of homage to, you know, where I'm from and somebody that I looked up to. Um, and he kind of, when it when it came to me that he was my number one, that's what knocked Dennis to uh, the honorable mention because I had Dennis, and, and there were other bands too. Like I kind of at first was like, all right, well I'll put the fucking Ramones in there, and you know Dead Kennedys, East Bay Ray, like all cool surfers. So, but like, I kind of came down to like, all right, are they a punk rocker and did they surf? And if I could say yes to those, then I sort of kind of ranked them like on influence and like what they accomplished. I just look at Sid, who didn't get a lot of credit for it. That just screams punk rock. Yeah, and he just keeps plugging along, it sounds like. Yeah. Doesn't give a, doesn't give a you know. No, you could have made yeah. a whole bunch of money and sold out a bunch of times and, like, did not. Um, not that I fucking think that's that important. But, um, all right, yeah, he, cool. probably, he probably did what he wanted to do. 